You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. So we just had Craig on the show. So Craig Batty, he is the incoming Dean of Research Creative at the University of South Australia. So he is the author, co-author, and editor of 15 books, including Script Development, Critical Approaches, Creative Practices, um, and also Creative um, Arts and Humanities Writing for the Screen. Um, Craig is uh, a man of many, many talents, but he's widely published on the topics of screenwriting practice, theory, creative practice research, and creative doctorates. He's also a screenwriter, so he's actually um, one kind of being able to actually set down the theory, but also do the work. He is a script consultant who's brought in to actually kind of look at different um, films and television and online dramas, and he's also an editor. And uh, so, Pat, we were joined by Craig to have a chat about kind of a wide-ranging discussion really around the kind of, I think, the power of creativity in culture. But then also, um, you know, I think as Craig kind of um, points out in a few different spots around kind of that the creativity seems to need space to thrive. 100%. I think you hit it on the head. And we got Craig in to talk about invest in creativity and culture. And that is a, it's an interesting title, but when we unpack it throughout the conversation, I think... One of the key things is, and you've hit that there, is invest in space and time because I think all creative practices are a ecosystem and they need each other to thrive. You can't just force um, innovation without allowing certain areas to breathe and develop in different ways and it might not necessarily look applicable or applicable to an industry right then and there. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to hear Craig talk about that, someone who is in the industry of creative and makes a coin from doing that to be to be preaching and really um, hoping for that to happen and to hear his, his excitement about what Adelaide can become and how Craig is going to put it on the map was, was really exciting. But also... I think realistic. Uh, we speak about some of the some of the things that are needed for a, for creativity to happen, and we spoke about it off air. And it's affordability, and and not a seventy hour week running a hospo job, but mm. um, allowing to invest in your own creativity or your own creative practice. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So Craig, you know, in spite of his, you know, he's a man of many, many talents, but he also nearly convinced uh, me that Adelaide is actually a great place to live. So here's our conversation with Craig Batty. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Where does this podcast find you? This podcast finds me in Dalesford, uh, regional Victoria, um, also known as Jar Jar Wrong Land. And I'm looking out on a beautiful bush at the minute. So. <laughs> and, and Craig, I mean, obviously you're, uh, you're in kind of one of uh, Victoria's kind of, um, I guess, kind of um, regional, regional hotspots. But from our perspective, I mean, obviously a great deal of your, your work and your study is in the area of creativity and, and culture. And, you know, jumping straight into what we'd like to discuss with you today is from your perspective, um, even in the current environment, why is it so important to invest in creativity and how does that actually inform the culture that um, we all share and shape? Yes, gosh, big questions, but important questions. Um and I guess I'll, you know, some of the answers will be things around. Um, I mean, you know, people use the word creativity a lot. 
often not really thinking about what it means, but, you know, thinking about it um, on a real personal level, you know, people love to be creative in terms of being spontaneous around, I don't know, anything from obviously hobbies like writing or whatever through to cooking and, you know, just that kind of not, uh, you know, ironically, because my area is script writing, not living a life by a script and just, um, I guess being in the moment is really, really important just for uh, experiencing the world that we live in. On a much higher level, we're thinking about creativity in relation to uh, innovation. I mean, you know, if we didn't kind of experiment and play around with things and, I don't know, learn by doing or whatever, we wouldn't discover things. So on that really high level of, I guess, uh, society, uh, innovation, et cetera, comes from creativity. It's also, I think, really important in terms of having different, I don't know what the word would be, different, uh, not different modes of living, different, like, for example, if you're working, say, I don't know, full-time in a, a business organization or, or, or in a hospital or something, and then you go home and it's the same kind of thing, the same kind of experience, you're just going to become this kind of robotic. We need different experiences to help us break up the day, you know, take our mind off things and just kind of, I guess it's about, you know, sensing the world and experiencing the world. I'm just thinking about all the recent stuff around, you know, investing in um, uh, obviously trades and, and all those things. It's really important. Of course they are. But I'm just thinking, gosh, are we going to become a, a you know, a, a country or nation of people who do all this stuff, make all this stuff, but don't really think. And I think creativity and thinking is really important. Uh, I think creativity, being spontaneous, doing things, learning by doing, reflecting on what, what you've done, whether it's at a personal hobby level or a or kind of high professional level, um, it creates new ways of thinking. And I think if we're not a, a, a nation or people that think, I think we're in big trouble. And I do worry, um, we'll maybe get onto the... <laughs> university sector shortly, but I do worry that, you know, we, we, this country currently is creating a, uh, a sense of, you know, creating a, a nation of non-thinkers, people who just do things by, you know, instructions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that um, I suppose we really can't, can't afford right now in the pandemic when we really do have to reimagine a future if we want a bright future. There's a lot that needs to be changed and a lot that is changing. I was hoping if you could quickly speak to culture and creativity and then a culture of creativity. You're sort of hinting at that there is a lack mm. of cultural creativity existing in some facets of Australia. Yeah, and that's a good word. I mean, the word culture, which I, which I guess you didn't mention before, but that is... Uh, I guess, yeah, what I was hinting at as well, this idea that uh, through creativity and creative practices and, and all those things that we, we, we're creating a, a culture. I mean, I mean, I guess culture is essentially hard to define and what do we mean, but, you know, uh, and people might say, you know, people who are cultured, and that can be really um, hierarchical, etc. But this idea, the idea of, you know, in order to nurture a, a culture, you need, like, Stuff that people, you know, enjoy and pleasure and respond to. I was just thinking before this. I was thinking about things like, um, you know, the difference say between satisfaction and pleasure. I'm thinking, you know, you might get satisfaction from your job. You might get a sense of reward from your job if you finish a project or whatever. But do you get pleasure? And I think pleasure is a slightly different thing. And 
we get pleasure from things like going to the cinema or watching a TV series or reading a book or hearing someone read a poem in a, a live setting or those kind of um, hard to grasp sensorial things that are really, really important to keep, I mean, to keep us, uh, well, to keep our minds and sensations active, but also to keep, um, uh, well, again, like I said, to keep us thinking, keep us happy. And I think pleasure, happiness, creativity is really, really uh, big and important in those areas. There, if we talk about the culture at the minute, or should I say what the culture is becoming, I mean, I am worried that um, the way the current Australian government is heading, it's just you know, eviscerating uh, all notions of what we say culture. And through, um, you know, by that I mean anything that's to do with creative practices, creative professions that make up culture. That they would probably see creativity as that more applied business economics, scientific type of creativity, which I mentioned before about innovation, which is really important. But what about all the stuff around just having a, a, you know, a nice time and <laughs> finding happiness in things and enjoying reading a book? And another thing I would say about that is that you might have seen all those little, I don't know, badges or whatever that you see on things that, at the minute which say art is work. And this idea that anything that's creative is almost, it can exist, but it's not worth the investment. We don't pay for that. And it's, it, you know, at the government level in terms of supporting the creative industries. And even at the personal level, people don't want to pay for content. People don't want to pay for, uh, you know, TV series, films, whatever. They don't want to pay for books. They, they, they kind of download them for free. As if content, creative work should be free. And I think the government is somehow... Uh, exacerbating that thought that mm. it is just well we should that's not worth you know that's not going to save society well actually it probably will in the end yeah. and in it is it is interesting isn't it Craig because I mean most innovation comes from you know the things that you're actually talking about right kind of that that mashup of, of ideas and you know as we've kind of gone come through the pandemic and things like for example with the government kind of changing even just the funding for for universities in terms of what um, courses get priced at, at you know in terms of kind of that you know putting up the price of an arts degree so to speak um, dramatically in context compared to say doing an, an engineering degree um, but yet that same kind of how the sector needs to start to respond to it feels like it's in the, in response to a triple well not a triple threat maybe but it's certainly a double threat between a defunding environment but then also a pandemic that's actually almost reduced the arts in some way in terms of actually how we how we experience them so just wondering as you kind of look mm -hmm. out from from this point in time i mean where do you see the investment coming into the arts is that going to be um individuals and kind of you know um, people who are patrons of the arts getting um mm -hmm. back into it or is it going to come more from a community movement and individual level yeah, that's a really good question. I guess maybe combination, or, or in fact, you know, maybe changing government would be useful. <laughs> I don't mean to be too negative, but no, no. Um, but in a way, I mean, yeah. It, obviously, the pandemic is well; it's eviscerated most of the arts sector, um, and I think that it's also, in some ways, given almost permission or an excuse for the government to maybe do what it was planning to do anyway or what it thinks is the you know the, the savior of 
of, of the nation in terms of economics and, and prosperity, whatever. Um, and so I think, yeah, you're right that what will happen is, well, hopefully what will happen is funding will come from other sources, whether it's philanthropy, et cetera. Um, you know, again, but again, this is that thing around, you know, people paying for, like, you know, let's say successful artists, you might have, might be patrons of organizations or whatever, and they might kind of give back, as it were, through their own donations. But then it's kind of like, even though that's really good for those who, who need that support, it's, it, it, it's almost um, accepting that that's the only way, way to do it. So it is a worry that if, if you go, oh, well, the arts can support itself, it's already proven itself, well, you know, that means that they're not going to, you know, fund it again and again. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I think what will happen is, and I guess, look, I'm from the UK region, so I, I don't know the history here. I guess it probably has happened in the past here, but and certainly in the UK, you know, decades ago, that we might always go back to this more grassroots uh, level of, creativity, innovation, and so, you know, people who haven't got the funding, who struggle, who feel upset about stuff, often can then come through with the most interesting work. It might have this warp, like a warped effect of, uh, you know, creating even even better work in order, you know, for people who either want to prove themselves or are so emotionally attached to this topic of non-funding and the art collapse that it could actually breed more interesting work so it, it could have the, you know, I guess the the reverse effect in, in a way, or the inverse effect. Mm. Well, um, and I'm not saying that we should, you know, be. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's not bring back the starving artist in terms of uh, right. actually bringing that back as a as a concept. I mean, Craig, what do you think? the The other interesting thing that seems to be happening in the arts at the moment is also what's happened in other areas of society, which is that the spoils more and more go to the to the big winners. For example, so you know, you create a book these days; it's not about actually getting the book in; it's actually about getting the television and the movie rights. So, mm-hmm. the idea that kind of the actual kind of um, the spoils are going more and more to fewer and fewer i mean what's your what's your take on that i mean is that something that i'm just observing and kind of um i guess extrapolating from other areas or do you see that happening as well no i think you're right actually and that in a way is a a version of um i guess this corporatization of the arts so let's say just say arts organizations who you know apply for funding every three or five years or whatever you know, often those who get it are the ones who have, I don't know, proven they're better at managing the money or proven that they've made more profits from it or, you know, the criteria for continued funding, let's say, is uh, really corporatized, really capitalistic, whereas those who perhaps are not very good at that but maybe produce brilliant work don't get funded because the criteria doesn't fit. And I guess I'm drawing parallels there between what you just said because, you know, someone might say, well, why should we fund you know, a poetry book that might be brilliant, but it might just recoup costs versus uh, let's fund, you know, someone who's going to write a book that is clearly going to have film potential, that is clearly going to create jobs in, um, well, the Gold Coast or something where the film is made, if it's the Gold Coast, that's clearly going to have, you know, residuals, you know, all that kind of thinking of the bigger, big, bigger picture, longer term profit from it. And so that is a real, I'm not saying, you know, we shouldn't, um, look at those things as well, but all those, I guess, art for art's sake, are kind of being cut out totally. You're listening to BAU. 
Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production, a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. For sure. And I suppose it would be really interesting in the conversation at this point, Craig, to talk about your new title and, and your work that you're going to be jumping into as of 2021 for UniSA, and that is research strategy in the disciplines of architecture, planning, art, design, journalism, communication, media, creative writing, cultural studies, film and television. Now, that Ooh. is daunting to me. <laughs> how do you feel? Does that job title sort of speak to the times or is that is that something that has existed for a long time and, and how are you going to um, tackle it? Yeah, I was just thinking, is that the job I signed up for? Um, <laughs> long list. That is yeah. quite possibly the longest title in history, Craig. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that came up um, in the interview, so, so for those people who... Well, for everyone who's listening, because it's a podcast, um, so I'm going to be heading up the research for this new faculty, which is called UniSA Creative, and I, I really love how they've just chosen uh, for this new faculty that just the name Creative, rather than Creative Industries or Creative Practices or Creative Arts. Just that word Creative is so powerful, and you know, cause it's disciplinary, it's also an identity, it's it's a methodology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so one of the things that I talked about in the interview which I think might be of interest here, is that it's almost, uh, I mean, it's almost there's almost two sides to the role in terms of driving the research strategy and, and obviously the research income. And one is um, what is becoming more and more fundable and universities are more and more valued for better or for worse, which is using creative arts, creative practices, creative disciplines in other contexts. So, for example, uh, you know, creative writing, for health and well-being, or uh, design for, I don't know, defense and military or something. So using creative practitioners, practices, creative arts, for other uh, discipline areas to solve, which is useful in terms of, you know, it can help solve those problems. Potentially it gives those practice-based, artist-based people projects to work on that would be more fundable. Um, but obviously you're doing it for something else. But that's all good, and we need to definitely think about that and celebrate and champion creativity and the creative arts or creative practices in those settings. But we've got to be careful that we don't just see that as something, uh, you know, see creativity as only having value if it belongs somewhere else. And so what a lot of people in this area miss, I think, is actually you know, looking at the industry or the practice itself and doing research around the very artistic practice or the, the craft or the industry stuff, you know, the real stuff that's going to, yeah, not just take it out of its discipline and put it somewhere else, but really enrich and, and expand the actual the actual practice itself. And um, that might not be as fundable, 
people might go, well, why should we pay for someone to research, I don't know, better techniques for um, creating particular characters when we could actually fund them to take that writing practice to help return veterans or something. That's more fundable, but I, still, I think if we do too much of that and none of the other stuff, we'll kind of lose track of what, um, you know, improving the practice itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, and Craig, I mean, where, where do you where do you hope to take it? So, I mean, from your kind of um, perspective, I mean, you kind of you know a few a few years out, where do you hope you actually get UniSA Creative too? I mean, what what does success look like for you? Yeah, look, I don't want to you know be too grand about this, but I do want it to be, you know, a really well renowned one of the uh, preeminent places that people will go to to do. To understand creative research, to you know, to commission people to do projects around the creative industries or the creative arts, uh, from an academic point of view, you know, for those who want to do creative practice PhDs, for people who want to uh, research something around creative arts, creative practice, and you do a PhD, and that I really want us to be one of the top places to come. At the minute, you know, the big names in this area tend to be RMIT in Melbourne, or QUT in in, um, in Brisbane potentially UTS in Sydney as well. And Adelaide always gets kind of, you know, ignored. And I really want to um, get that uh, new faculty to be one of the best in the country and also internationally. So that it will become this, I guess, like a real hub of creativity in all its guises. Uh, you know, as you know, Adelaide is a really creative city anyway. It's got really strong festival culture. It's got, uh, you know, really powerful uh, film commission and some of the most interesting, I guess, films and, and script development practices, which is my area of research, have come out of Adelaide in recent years. So I really want to kind of, not in terms, I don't want to put Adelaide on the map because it's already there, but in terms of the creative research, um, mm. I really want to become a, a real uh, kind of go-to place for that kind of work. And can you talk to us a little bit more about um, SA? Because I mean, I, th I think it's it's often um, portrayed, and we were even kind of talking and joking a little bit around kind of off air around kind of you know Adelaide. Um, but actually, Adelaide is really kind of having its moment in the sun, isn't it? In terms of that, it it has really invested in you know its its film infrastructure. I mean, it's got one of the um, I forget the name, but it's got one of the leading kind of. Uh, motion graphic businesses um, in the world is actually based out of um, Adelaide. And so there's a lot of these kind of things that are actually coming together. And it does seem that um, the South Australian government has actually taken probably more of a proactive approach in in catching up. So, I mean, do you, mm. like, in terms of kind of where Adelaide is, I mean, what do you, from looking at it and kind of your initial involvement, I mean, what do you think the secret sauce of Adelaide is? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone at the moment is, I guess it's like one of those things where you, know, you, you buy a new car and it's red and every car you see is red. But <laughs> what, um, at the minute, everybody's mentioning Adelaide. Talk about Adelaide and how it's supposed to be. I mean, even just silly things like the property prices are going up, which is not great in a way. But um, the people are moving there. But you're right, it's become this, yeah, a real centre of creativity. From what I understand, I mean, I haven't lived there yet, but from what I understand, that yeah, the, the, the kind of the state government is really, really keen on on this they've got creative think tanks and universities are really embedded in they've been um yeah you've got them uh, the, the the kind of visual effects graphics film uh side of things which has built up strongly i think i think i read something recently as well that uh, there's been some big investment i'm not sure if it was apple or someone 
maybe not Apple, but you know, in terms of gaming and building up the kind of games um, sector as well. The Film Commission we mentioned. Uh, they've got the writers. You know, the, well, every state's got a writers' centre, but a really good writers' centre. So I think there is. It's become this kind of. I think a mixture of creativity, strong, uh, strong, and, and public support for, um, for, for for creativity rather than just building roads or train tracks or whatever. Plus, I think the fact that it is much more livable in terms of cost of living currently. Mm-hmm. I think people are just kind of like, like looking over there. It's almost like the the best kept secret, but of course that might might change. So I think it's a combination of it. I know quite a few creators who are moving there at the minute um, because they see you know, uh, the chance of obviously being creative and doing creative work, but also being able to live more affordably and uh, less traffic and all those kinds of things. So mm. it's a really interesting um, like, you know, like a hotspot, I guess. Not a COVID hotspot, although recently it was, but <laughs> for, for two days. <laughs> for two days. <laughs> um. and, I, and, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to uh, in my new role, of course, really meeting people that does kind of, I guess, quite high levels of whether it's government or industry and really kind of um, joining that uh, effort to kind of, uh, you know, uh, celebrate the arts, creativity. And I guess, I mean, I haven't read anything specific, but I would imagine that there's a strong collective sense over there that, you know, Melbourne's obviously been the creative and cultural capital for a long, long time. And there was talk a few years ago that Brisbane was going to be the same, but I get the sense that Adelaide is, is going to, they want it to be the kind of the creative and cultural uh, centre of of Australia, and that's really exciting. It's a big call, Craig. Um, but uh, for me, hearing this conversation, hearing you talk about the new the new faculty or the, the new area of creatives in UniSA is really interesting on the back end of WOMAD. For me, WOMAD has really captured what you're talking about. It's a an amazing festival but to be honest i have never been there but somehow it's managed mm. to capture my imagination of what it is like it really it does it by demonstrating and also by attracting lots of great talent and new talent and investing in and sort of mm. taking chance that's what seems like womad it isn't it isn't formulae in a sense it really has a go at a lot of different things and i think I think it really introduces a lot of people to Adelaide. So it's an interesting case study in terms of what a festival like that does for a place like Adelaide in terms of trying to um, centre itself or position itself as a creative hub. And now you're there and you're going to be heading it up. It's so interesting to hear. But I would one last question off the back. I was wondering how you spent lockdown in Melbourne or in Victoria. Have you pursued anything creative yourself, had time, or have you just been... Um, ferociously setting everything up for UniSA Venture? Uh, well, ferociously on Zoom is, is definitely what I've been doing since March. I was um, up in Sydney at, uh, until March, uh, which is where I've been working, but I was kind of going back and forth a little bit over Christmas, New Year, and I've got a house here. And uh, yeah, I decided to stay here in Dalesford over lockdown. So I've been here for, I don't know, eight months or something. Uh, and, you know, most of it, I have to say, has been zoom, 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 which has been, um, you know, quite tiring. But at the same time, it's been really nice to be in this kind of uh, beautiful town where you, there's creative people here. There's a really nice energy and a really nice vibe. Mm-hmm. And I guess even though I've been, you know, just working away and uh, obviously eventually leaving UTS, but still working there, you know, it's almost given me a, like a, a new sense of purpose and what I want out of life, where do I want to be. 
and uh, obviously Sydney, Sydney is a very lots of creative people there. It's uh, but I would say Sydney is very established creative. It doesn't. I didn't ever get the sense that there was all this new new energy, new talent taking risks. It was quite the establishment, if you like. So I feel like it given me this. Like you know, I never felt. I, it's not like I didn't fit in there, but I just felt like it was. Because I'm not from there, I just felt like I was on the peripheries a little bit. Whereas with this new job, and obviously being someone like Dalesford, which is very kind of open and embracing in all in all ways, it just made me think, okay, I want to be somewhere that's you know not so established and has got energy and has got uh, a need to innovate and just to kind of try things out and just even if it goes wrong, it doesn't matter. So it kind of gave me that new sense of. Uh, what kind of place I wanted to be in, and obviously just turned out hopefully that Adelaide is the place, and hopefully it will be the place. Um, it, it feels to me like you know, when I joined, when I came to Melbourne in uh, very end of 2011, early 2012, it felt like the same kind of vibe to me. It was kind of lots of emerging talent and new ideas and creative, and I think over the last nine years or whatever it is, you know that that you know thing population's grown exponentially. It's become quite a different city, I think. I'm kind of looking forward to kind of almost going back to something smaller and a bit more emerging. Mm. I love that, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do over in Adelaide and, and seeing how it evolves over there over the next couple of years. One last thing before I let you go, and we have such a mind with us in this presence. I just want to know what is your thoughts on TV? Is TV dead? <laughs> no, TV is well and truly live. I mean, film is arguably dead. Yeah. Um, Obviously, streaming the whole serial TV uh, long form character arcs, um, you know, that's absolutely uh, where it is not now. And, and obviously, uh, you know, I guess relatedly, web series. I don't know if you watch web series or mm. that's become a huge um, place for developing new talent. And uh, in, particularly in Australia, Australia's really taken to the web series, I guess, because, you know, the interest is small. There's often not a lot of money, especially for development it's always you know people who are already established and you know do a lot of free work first so i think the web series has become a really um you know important space for, for new ideas new talent mm. and often that gets translated to kind of broadcast tv anyway uh so no, i think tv is alive and kicking Hopefully is it is it, is it streaming though not like your classic conventional tv channels is it more streaming? Sorry, I'm sidetracking here. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, that's true. It is true. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to differentiate. Yeah, um, yeah. It's evolving. You yeah, yeah. I it guess it's evolving. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah. Scott, the Scott Galloway quote, isn't it, that, uh, you know, advertising on television is a, is a tax on the poor, right? So his kind of whole thing about that we're all kind of living in this world where it is like watching an immersive film. So television's kind of moved moved into that into that space. And, you know, I, Craig, I'm, you know, kind of, again, last, last question for me is that, you know, kind of how do you see kind of Australia in the global context? So thinking about kind of how how we fit in, I mean, I do think, you know, Australia tends to really, particularly in things like film and kind of, you know, in terms of the, even like with the with the kind of web uh, kind of, I guess, kind of um, series you're starting to mention is that we do tend to adopt things and we do tend to punch a little bit above our weight, but often it's hard to get a read on kind of where we actually sit in the global context because we are so far away. So perhaps for the listeners 
is the last question, you can just give us a bit of insight into how you actually see Australia in the context of global creativity. Yeah, I guess uh, speaking about film and TV in particular, which is my uh, main interest, or, but also I guess novels as well, having worked with some pretty eminent novelists up at UTS in the last couple of years, uh, I think, yeah, in some ways we do punch above our weight. Uh, and I think some of the stuff here is really fantastic, but it can be quite surprising to, to, to see how much doesn't translate or doesn't travel. Uh, you know, what seems to do really well overseas, screen-wise at least, is things that are really quintessentially Australian or really quirky. Think like worlds that those people can't even, they don't inhabit, you know, like back in the 80s and 90s, all those soaps that were set around the beach and stuff. And it's just very different. Uh, whereas all the stuff you might see that's really, really good quality here, living here, you might think, well, obviously that's going to travel overseas, but it doesn't because it's not different enough. So I think there's a lot of people in, in the film and TV industry in particular who say, oh, we want to get away from all those cliched kind of portrayals of Australia. We're sick of all the, you know, the Kath and Kim type stuff or the, um, uh, what's his name? You know, the guy who does all the... He plays different characters. Um, the guy is always getting in trouble. Um, oh, from uh, um, <laughs> Summer Heights yeah, High. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, yeah. I forget his. I forget his name. <laughs> yeah, I just totally. I don't know why. But, Jermaine. Uh, anyway, so Too much of a cliche for me, Craig. Too much of a cliche. Yeah. That's right. We want to get away from that, but the thing is, overseas, that's what people want to see. It's our export. And, it's our new wine yeah. or old wine. So I feel like, look, and also in terms of script writing in particular, this is obviously my team, I do think we need to work harder to, to kind of raise the level of the, the script. I think they're kind of all right. But when you, you know, I, I, I watch all my all the BBC dramas and I think, oh gosh, if only we could do this. I mean, the budgets are not there. The, the time to develop the scripts is not there. A lot of the talent, whether it's acting or writing or whatever, go overseas. So we do seem to lose people. Um, so it can be a bit disappointing to see how global is not quite there. There must be other areas, maybe design or something, architecture where we are, probably much more on a level playing field, if not higher. But in terms of, say, script writing in particular, I think we it's disappointed that we're not kind of pushing for new heights, as it were. Craig, thanks so much for taking some time out um, with us. So kind of in between Dalesford and thinking about moving across to Adelaide very, very soon. So we appreciate you taking time to chat to us uh, today. Thank you. No, thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to BAU Business As Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.